Hey love, you're listening to the Luxury of Self-Care podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia. Each week, I'm recharging you with tips and engaging conversations, reminding us that finding luxury in our lives begins with taking care of the most important thing, Y-O-U. It takes persistence and spunk to be successful, but instead of living to work, let's work to live. You up for it? My answer is a clangorous, vociferous yes. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Ready to party. And for one moment, you get this amazing gift. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. What, like it's hard? If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Everything is a matter of perception, right? No matter what your reality is or what your living situation or, or life situation is, you might not have the power to control that directly, but you do have the power to see things differently and to, and to, con- to control your experience. So um, I try to keep that in mind as well, that perhaps it's all happening for a reason. Perhaps I need to learn some things. Perhaps a, this is my process. You know, as I said, I just got injected into this world into a vessel and I'm having a human experience right now. So I, maybe I'm not meant to have all the answers right now. That's hard for someone like me because I'm very impatient and I wanted it all yesterday. Well, hello you and welcome back to the Luxury of Self-Care podcast. That was a clip from today's guest, Ryan Steer. So wonderful to have someone like that on the show. You know, those people those humans that you're just grateful and honored that you know them and you can have conversations with them and you're like, let me just get everything that I need. Like I have waters and liquids and cocktails and everything and I'm, I'm all here and I'm, I'm here and ready to dive into some deep conversations with you in this time because it's someone who's also open and honest and raw and vulnerable about having those type of conversations. Well, today's guest is one of those people and I was so thrilled to share the mic with Ryan Steer and have some of these conversations that are about Enneagrams, that are about not knowing what you want to do in life, that are about new journeys, that are about leaving theater behind, that are about putting yourself in a box that are about pushing the boundaries and getting yourself outside of the box. I mean, I could keep going on and on and on. We talk a little bit about our horoscope signs and stuff too, but this is just going to be a great like buckle up, go take a walk while you're listening to this episode or if you're driving in a car. This is one of those conversations that I just can already hear y'all on the other end being like, yes, 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 and sending me all the lovely DMs about your favorite moments of the episode. If you are new to the podcast because Ryan Steer brought you here, thank you so much for joining us here on the luxury of self-care we have episodes that come out weekly we've got a newsletter we have walking meditations that are currently free I'm working on building a brand and then that will be a subscription based in the near future but here's the real talk right like self-care is such a huge massive topic and that is why I created a platform about it because so many different people have so many different aspects of what that looks like for them and I bring on a lot of friends in the business of theater I bring on a lot of self-care warriors as well from other podcast platforms so welcome to the show and if you are loving what you're hearing do me a solid hit that subscribe button and give me a rating whatever rating you think that is Five stars would be lovely if that's what you feel this show deserves. And if you have five extra seconds to write me a brief review, I love reading those. Follow me on Instagram at rumor in St. Petersburg. I am always responding to DMs. I love hearing if you've connected with something on the show. This whole thing is about an umbrella platform to talk about self-care and to be vulnerable and honest about it. So if you feel that this is a space where you would like to have one-on-one conversations, shoot me a voice memo. I love those on Instagram. It's one of my favorite ways to connect with people that I don't know personally. And if you have a friend or if you would like to be on the show, let me know. That's the best way for us to get people on the podcast or if there's a topic you'd be really interested in hearing about, shoot me it in a DM. That's like one of my favorite things about it is just the conversations that constantly happen and evolve from this platform. So let's get into a little bit more about Ryan 
not only is he an all around just wonderful human being, and I'm so excited for you to hear from him today, but he's also a New York and Oklahoma based artist slash performer and educator. Ryan has performed in the first Broadway national tour of Anything Goes. Fun fact, I also wore the costumes from that tour and the regional production I did of Anything Goes and we used the tour set. So I used to always look in the costumes and be like, there's Ryan's name and my girlfriend who was Reno Sweeney, who's also been on the show, Christina Tompkins, also it introduced the two of us. So that whole connection there with the Anything Goes tour costumes was such a lovely gift. He was with A Chorus Line in 42nd Street, nationally and internationally, off-Broadway and at the Paris in Las Vegas for sex tips for a straight woman from a gay man and numerous regional theater credits, including performances at Paper Mill, Damn Yankees, and South Pacific, A Gunquit Playhouse, he did White Christmas, Westchester Broadway, MacArthur Theater, Arizona Broadway, and many more. And as a teacher, he taught master classes in chair work, tap, and music theater dance styles for universities, educational programs, and studios. Ryan currently teaches acting and dance at the University of Central Oklahoma. And before we dive in, I just wanted to share that if you ever wanted to try any of the Modern Nature Hair Care products, currently we're doing one of my favorite sales, which is you buy a shampoo for $12 and then you get a conditioner for $12. And this also works for dry shampoo. So if you ever wanted to just try these products out, they really are within reasonable pricing. I used to use Kirastas, which is a very expensive line. So if we're going to spend money on our hair care, it's always nice to get a deal, right? This is a vegan B Corp pending company that I work with. So all of the items are cruelty free and they're just really lovely for my hair. I absolutely love all the strength that it's built in my hair and the creamy moisture it's added to my hair. So if you have any questions about those products, don't hesitate to reach out to me. The sale goes through this weekend, maybe gift for mom for Mother's Day coming up. <laughs> and in addition, let's thank our sponsors quickly before we pop on with Ryan. Sit back, strap in and get ready for Mr. Ryan Steer. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So excited to be here. Yeah, and it's like great to be here virtually. <laughs> so nice to see your face. You look like you have reversed age like six years since the last time I saw you. It's like maybe the pandemic has better been better for us than we realize, you know. Than we realize more restful. Turn toward the sun. Yeah, no, I, I think say. it's probably all that beauty counter product that I use on my face. <laughs> Gotta love it. But yeah, I think that there's one thing that has been consistent that I've always noticed about the pandemic and this like refresh feeling so where would you say that like you're at today if someone didn't know who Ryan was like how would you explain yourself to somebody today you know that is a good question because it's uh ever changing always growing and evolving but right now I um, am defining myself as uh, a teacher I'm a professor at the University of Central Oklahoma uh, I've jumped into academia and that's really fun but I'm also a performing artist um, I would say that I was in New York for the last decade and now I've recently relocated back home to Oklahoma yeah is that a good answer or were you looking at something like more um mentally spiritual anything if you have more of that let's add to it what would be your mental yeah. spiritual then if, if I were to flip the reverse the question? Okay. On a very base level, I think I'm just some sort of um, divine energy, as are you, as are we all. And I ended up in this body that has been named Ryan and in this time and place. And I'm living this experience right now. Mentally, emotionally, I'm actually doing a lot better than I think I have been pre-pandemic. Um, I was already grappling with like sort of divorcing the city and like feeling in some ways dissatisfied with my performing artist career. So the pandemic kind of gave me an opportunity to sort of step back and um, reassess what I wanted and what I was doing and what motivated me and what excited me. And coming back has uh, allowed me to delve into the craft and working with students has been so rewarding and I'm directing a show and it just feels really good to be like in it again and in a new way I don't feel like I'm like slaving away auditions auditions oh my gosh I hope they like me like I feel like I'm creating on my terms and that feels really refreshing oh I love that that's yeah. okay that was beautiful because my big thing that I've <laughs> noticed 
something about you that I've I've seen in myself, like a reflection, is that mm-hmm. you oh, I think we're very similar. Right. Yes. So similar. And then I was just asking you what your sign was, and I it, it's going to go off of this. So tell everyone what your sign is. I am a Leo. Uh, that's my sun sign. Um, I also am influenced by my rising Virgo and I'm a cancer moon and I really identify with that cancer moon. Yes. So your moon sign, I think I've talked about it a little bit, but your moon sign is usually always like what others see you as. So my moon sign is a Pisces, but I'm a cancer sign, Pisces mm-hmm. moon. And then my rising sun is also a cancer. So people see me as a Pisces. So people see you as a Cancer in the sense of like both very strong water signs, super emotional. But the weird thing is, is like we're very adventurous and like enthusiastic about life. Mm-hmm. But we're also homebodies. And I think that was something mm-hmm. I always oh. appreciated about you. I love to be alone. I love spending uh, my own time in my own company. I've always, even as a kid, been able to entertain myself. So that's never been a problem. I mean, I also, it doesn't mean that I don't, love engaging with other people because I absolutely do. I think I, I'm somewhere right on the line of introvert, extrovert. Like, um, it's all good to me. And being around people for too, too long will drain me. And being alone for too, too long, I get unstimulated and I start to spiral. And so, like, I think I really value my time with other people because it energizes me as well. Yeah. So how I met you was through a good friend of ours, Tina Tompkins. Yes, also Tina. Been the podcast. We love Tina Tompkins. And she lived with you for mm-hmm. a bit. And she knew your other roommate, but then she met you through moving into that apartment. Am I right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what I noticed, at least when I went over, I feel like there's definitely these different levels of apartments in New York. You can say like, there's the just moving here, don't really care about my home life because I'm always gone and I'm never at home. Kind of like, here's just where I sleep kind of apartments. And then there's like these like lavish, loving, comfortable apartments. Mm-hmm. Yours is definitely one of the lavish, loving, comfortable apartments. I love to hear you say that. Yeah, we worked, uh, we were all great friends there. And uh, we worked really hard at like being in each other's lives and involved and really caring. And um, it was a pretty judgment free zone. So like you could come and, you know, if you didn't want to talk some morning, you could just like go get your coffee, go into your room. But like, you know, the door was always open in our in our living room. And we were always there to support each other. And, you know, all of us being actors as well was we could sympathize with things and day jobbing and hustling. And um, Tina got me a couple jobs and um, she's just always been an awesome gal. And I'm so glad that she introduced us Yes, because we later had some gig life together and Mm -hmm. we always made each other laugh. Yes. Always made each other laugh. And our biggest thing, I guess we would say is probably working with a company called Amer events who actually is most of the hiring for the U.S. Open Tennis Championship in, I guess That's it's a good not gig. Manhattan, but it's in New York City, basically. It's mm-hmm. in the suburbs in Queens. So it, it is, it's a great gig. And I was always like down hustling with like the Grey Goose stand and you were always like up in the suites. But again, this like hosting mentality, um, it was consistent for you, but not right. Because you usually had daily suites. Was that right? Yeah, I had a daily. So like my client list would change. Um, I mean, I I had done the US Open like six or seven years. So I started off with like CBS. So I was like the regular guy for a minute. And then I think I moved uh, to the daily. So like I would have clients for two or three sessions at a time or maybe sometimes a week. Um, so it was always having an opportunity to sort of reintroduce yourself no matter what, which I think is easier in the long haul. You know, when some clients get a little too moved in, their expectation uh, perception changes and, um, it can, I don't know, get sticky. I like it. Come have food, get out. Let's meet some new people. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's so true. I, what would you say? Like, if you were to go back to yourself, maybe, I don't know, like your first year, like what are some, some of your most memorable moments in the U S open, whether it was like a funny story or things that you've learned during that time, because it is, it's a it's a very big event. It's a very high clientele when it comes to the suites, at at least. For me, I just mm-hmm. was slinging drinks down on the bottom, collecting cash, like 
the faster yeah. I moved, the more cash I was collecting. And for me, I thrived on that because I was like, great, mm -hmm. I'm good. Like two minute conversations, whatever. <laughs> like I love that energy too. I love the fast pace. Um, to be honest, it was really great. I got to, you know, see some celebrities and I'm not someone who's like easily star truck. It's just sort of like, you know, I'm always very much so like stars. They're just like us. Yeah. They, they too go to private events and have uh, gin and tonic served to them. Uh, sure. Just like me. Um, <laughs> just like my uh, life. No, not my life. Um, I'm always there. <laughs> working. Um, <laughs> sure. And I just remember it feeling like summer camp and it was like super fun. You're there, you're working hard, you're making money. Um, and everyone's like fun and supportive and running around. And I didn't know that I liked tennis until I, start, until I started working the U.S. Open. Yeah. Yeah, definitely don't get to watch any of the tennis down in the down in the no. um, the common area. <laughs> I have a couple like videos that I took of like Sloan Stevens winning and of like Madison Keys and like so I just go through and I'll look at like my phone and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like there for that moment. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah, it is really I mean, cool. Once again, working, but doesn't really there. matter. Like it's so funny. How, does, yeah, it doesn't matter how you get in the door as long as you're at the party. Sure, and I, I love that. <laughs> it doesn't matter how you get in the door, but it does that, that you're just at the party because I was chatting recently with some people about tra traveling the world, and it's like, oh, well, you you know, they only did that because they were working on a cruise ship, and I'm like, who cares if they were only traveling the world because they were on right. a cruise ship? So like, even better, they didn't have to freaking pay for it because they were talented enough to book it that they were able to go to all those places for free and get paid. So I think that at the same point, you went to the events for free and got paid to do it. You still were there to see it. So you were in the door. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've, um, you know, I actually took that gig life for granted. I think when I was like in the hustle and I was like working in auditions and, you know, leaving and coming and going and being gone for months at a time. And, and I, took that flexibility for granted and it was like always good money it was fast money and I actually really thrived in that atmosphere it was like it played to my skill set and to my interests and it was always different and those are things that I didn't know were as important to me um as they are now yeah and it's hard for me too in the sense of like I can never quite feel as though I can just do one thing like I was over at someone's house and they were saying so what's your end goal and I was like I'm 32 and I'm going to tell you, I really don't know. And that's okay. And it's taken me a really long time to figure mm -hmm. that out. I don't know mm -hmm. what my end goal is. I love that I do this podcast. I love working for Lululemon right now. I love teaching yoga, but like that's not sustainable for my champagne taste. So right. I know 100%. that. I <laughs> oh my God. I understand that champagne taste so much. I feel very uh, related to what you just said. Like uh, I, I wish I had a, a an end goal and a, and a big dream and to be honest, I wake up and every other week it feels like it's um, evolved and changed a little bit. Uh, I think you just take it day by day. And as long as you're following what is interesting you and bringing you joy right now, then I think you're on the right path. And occasionally you'll look at the clock and it'll be 11, 11. And you're like, okay, great. I'm doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know not anything about numerology, but like little coincidences like that. I at least play the game with myself that like, okay, the universe is always supporting me. and I am on the right path. No matter, I, you know, I don't have to see the picture. I just have to see the next six feet in front of me and continue going. Right. And I really believe it. At some point, I'll end up my destination. I think that everything is a matter of perception, right? No matter what your reality is or what your living situation or, or life situation is, you might not have the power to control that directly, but you do have the power to see things differently and to, and to, con to control your experience. So um I try to keep that in mind as well that perhaps it's all happening for a reason perhaps I need to learn some things perhaps uh, this is my process you know as I said I just got injected into this world into a vessel and I'm having a human experience right now so uh, maybe I'm not meant to have all the answers right now that's hard for someone like me because I'm very impatient and I wanted it all yesterday so like <laughs> I it is a for it's a life journey for me to sort of reconcile that yeah and and also another thing too that I've that has been coming up so so much a lot of my friends are you know I have a couple that are a little bit younger that are still in their like late 20s but a majority of my friends are like mid 30s and it is very intriguing to me to hear all of us talk about boundaries within our family dynamics because a lot of us during this time 
that were in the city, that were performing, that were working towards these goals, that were doing these gig to gig lives or, or whatever you were doing have all kind of gravitated towards our hometown and like been living with our family. And I know that that's a really hard boundary to deal with. And I was just reading one of my girlfriend's emails today and she just told me like she just shared all this stuff. She was like, like, yes, I'm going on a Zoom date tonight with someone. No, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, don't comment maybe on how I look at 9 a.m. in the morning before I'm getting my coffee. Like, we are not the same child that left. Because I will say child, even though we're technically adults at 18. We're not the same child that left. Always their children, though, right? That's yes. always the response. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, but the weird <laughs> thing is, is I'm watching my friends wipe their baby's butts now. You know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah. There was that point in time when our parents did that stuff for us. Oh, my God. They'll never be able to let that go. It is totally the most selfless act, being a parent. Like, I could get misty-eyed just even, like, really thinking about the gravity of what it means. And that, like, um, I, you know, until I was 17, 18, uh, old enough to take care of myself in some respect, like, I, you, per, they gave me everything, right? And And not only that, but, like, tons of opportunity and can-do sort of attitude. They developed a whole aspect of what I consider to be me, my personality, something that I identify with. And um, that was just given to me, right? It was instilled in me and it's a huge part of who I am today. I'm immensely grateful. Um, they were great parents. My dad, my mom was a teacher. My dad was like just blue collar style. You know, my dad wasn't even like, uh, didn't even graduate high school. And so like, that's the time, I mean, like he, he's from Australia. So like, I guess in backwoods, Australia in, you know, 1960, whatever, my dad graduated, probably 67 that he was graduating high school or would have been, uh, you didn't really need to, they have like trade schools there and you go right into like vocations, like, uh, electrical or plumbing and stuff like that. Um, my dad was always kind of a free spirit instead left and traveled and was a tour guide for a long time. And. It just goes to show how like hardworking that you can, you know, through hard work and some determination and a dream and chasing and some tenacity, um, you can do a lot of things. He's become like a, he loves to like remodel houses. He's like jack of all trades, sort of real estate guy. And my mom was a teacher. So she was around in the summer times and picking us up and we went to school with her and stuff. So I was very fortunate to get a lot of time with my parents as a yeah. kid. Yeah. Yeah. And where, where is he from in Australia? A small town outside of Melbourne okay. called Talangata. So he has like the best accent because the Melbourne accent. I mean, I yeah. Think is to the be best honest, accent. he's been in uh, the Aussie accent is amazing, um, but he's been in America at this point um, longer than he was ever in Australia. So like uh, he goes over there, they call him a Yankee, but you know. I, I'm in Oklahoma right now, so and also now he's got this weird crossover accent of like good old boy Oklahoma mixed with Australian mixed with right. something else. So <laughs> it comes out on certain words like banana, and I'm like, oh, he's Australian, okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. And then your mom, your mom was in education. What did she teach? Uh, she taught fourth grade for a hundred years, and she was also the gifted resource coordinator um, in her later years in teaching. She taught kindergarten over in Australia. That's where she met my dad. Okay. Um, she taught first grade, I think, for a minute. And um, then she retired, I think, realized how boring that was, and then went back to work part-time as a middle school gifted resource coordinator. Oh, cool. So both very adventurous. Like, yeah, I think so. Now, do you, have you chatted with her at all now that, like, you're in this education mindset? Have you guys oh, talked yeah. about children and, like – I, you have to admit, like looking at them and understanding them and being like, I was once there. I see this in you that's similar to a friend of mine or I see myself in you like that mentality kind of going off of that and like also doing a craft that you're extremely successful and passionate about. It's got to feel some level of I have something to give you like this is a nugget yeah. that I can give you. This is a gem and it and is truly genuine, like something that you've learned over the years. Yeah, my mom definitely passes on her education experience. I mean, she was um, used to teaching, you know, fourth graders, that sort of age. And uh, I'm working with college kids, although I do teach a, um, I call it my Dolly Dinkle School of Tap and Fire Baton class. On Wednesday nights, there's six to 10 year old girls. And like, 
being used to like teaching cultures, I was like ready and I was like, okay, they're younger. So let's scale it back. Let's just work on some really easy steps. Like, nah, they want to play games and like take breaks. And they're like hanging on the ballet bars. I'm like, are we going to work or aren't we? Come on, six-year-olds, get it together. A five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> right, that's what I, uh, so after that first week, my mom was like, Ryan, you got to take it way back. And she made me realize that most importantly, I have to keep it fun for them because I do not want to be responsible in any way, shape or form in their like personal journey that um, they were not having fun in a dance class. And I was the reason why they stopped dancing or, you know, maybe not so directly, but like, you know, I want people to really love dance and, and love every moment of it. So it's like, it's really more important that they're having fun. And my mom was like a big um, sort of coaxer in that and reminding me to do that. And you know, she's really great with kids. My brother has three kids and she's like super Nana. Speaking of tapping though, you did White Christmas how many times? Twice. So, although it was a cute show. Yeah. It, it was is, super fun it, to do. Now tap is your jam, but like what got you into dance in the first place? To be honest with you, I didn't dance until I got to college. So um, I've always felt like a late bloomer in life. And it was the same way with any of my like sort of high school activities. I first discovered music theater. Um, my first musical was my junior year of high school and we did My Fair Lady. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And then I joined choir that year. And I was, I don't know if your high school ever did things like this, but there's like National Forensic League. It's like competitive acting. There's like all, Didn't have all these, it's so nerdy. Love oh my that. God, you do like go in like a uh, humorous interpretation and like you do monologues and like duets and things like that. And you'd like compete for it. So I was like really nerdy into that. So in Oklahoma, there's not like a really an opportunity. It's not like I come from um, some sort of Hollywood legacy or like New York, something that where you, you maybe you understand these things as you go. So I was very um, self-taught, you know, neither one of my parents were performers. Um, no one really in my family really has been. So what was available to me was music theater. So, you know, looking around at college and stuff, and I, I thought maybe I was going to pursue this. It was either going to be pre-med or it was going to be like performing. I so I was like, it. let's just drive off the rails, like screw life. Let's figure it out. Like who needs to be a doctor? Um, I'm just kidding. I love doctors and I still think about it till this day. Like I'm like, oh, maybe I should be a nurse. Maybe I should be a PA. I think because music theater was available is why I ended up singing and acting and dancing. Mm -hmm feeling like a chip in my shoulder, always trying to play catch up. I thought, let me go into the theater. It forced me to concentrate on a lot of just sort of different disciplines and skill set all at once. Right. Four years after college, um, what do you do? I, I started going to like NETCs and stuff, SETCs and things. And I booked some summer stock theaters in the summer times and I go do that. And I hopped a plane the day after graduation and uh, started working at Surflight. Surflight, and it just yes. kind of snowballed from there. And all of a sudden, like 10 years later, I had a whole resume in music theater where I kind of didn't intend to mm -hmm. be in musicals my whole life. I, you know, I really consider myself like an artist. Like I love to craft. I love to like build furniture. I love like using my hands and creating and I love designing. And um, it just so happened that I also really loved the spotlight when it shines just right on you. So performing was a natural thing for me, but I, I, I think what was part of the dissatisfaction I was feeling, um, you know, before the pandemic happened was me sort of coming to the realization that like, I wasn't being totally satisfied in the music theater industry. And that like, I was feeling called that maybe my um, interests and talents could lie in other places. And I had really only seen it in that sort of two dimensional way. And, you know, what do I like about music theater and what can I bring from that into new avenues or new endeavors um and how can that help me because you know we are all whole organisms but i think that working for so long in the music theater industry you're like so obsessed with type and what am i doing and like what songs do i sing and what do i need to wear and what calls do i need to be at who needs to see me like it just gets kind of boxed in and i was like blah, 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 blah. this isn't like what i started this isn't the path that felt right and so i was feeling a lot of like internal discord about all that and um I think that I'm still figuring that out and I feel alleviated um, in a sense of the pressure timing wise to like have it all right now. Like um, right now I'm currently satisfied just taking it one day at a time. It's like, okay, I wake up, I'm happy. I'm doing something that, that feels like I'm moving forward and flash forward. Wow. It's a month later. And it's like, wow, I look back and I'm doing better than I was. So just keep on that trend and keep your attitude. Right. And 
did I just give I you a hundred thoughts at once? <laughs> everything about that though. Oh my God. Like, I was like, uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. So you're like me. Doug always talks about this all the time. He's like, I don't understand it. It's like we pull out this box and I think we're talking about things in this box and then there's this box and then this box and then this box. <laughs> and it's like, now we're talking about all these different boxes and I don't know where we are. So I loved it because I was like, uh-huh. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Gem, uh-huh. gem. I was grabbing all the, the gems. So the, my favorite gem though is talking about how Feeling like in this creative field of musical theater and like being creative and being open and being vulnerable and being this and being that and sharing, sharing, giving, 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 giving. But then like the, uh, I don't want to say the applause because it's not that, but like the, the achievement of it is like when we book the show, when we've all the right things that we put together got us the show. So my favorite part was always like, you booked, you nailed it on opening night. I I loved that because anytime Mm -hmm. I started working for a company, I thrived. I knew I belonged there. Any job I booked, I knew I belonged there. Any job I didn't book, I probably, maybe it just wasn't meant to be, but I would have been just as good there. And I think the same for you. But a a lot of us are trying to figure out like, oh, okay, like, let me find this little box that I fit into. And it's, it's very strange. And that's why I asked you in the beginning, who is Ryan Steer? Because I feel like a lot of us lead with, I work at blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's always not- about work. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? I mean, like, honestly, you and I, so many things, all of us out there, we are so many things. And why do we lead with like what we do for a paycheck? Why is that the most important thing it's not. to lead it's, with? I don't get it. It's a very um, American mentality. And I say this in mm-hmm. my opening. I say instead of living to work, let's work to live. I work so I can afford to do these things that make my life worth doing. And my job also is part of that reason. Do I get paid for my podcast now? No. Do I want to get paid for my podcast? Absolutely. Do I love every aspect of the podcast? Not so much. But like, does it bring me joy overall? Yes. So it's like this constant battle of like, I'm just using the podcast as an example. So looking at theater, theater brought me joy. And as it did you, performance brought us joy. But all these other things, they start to weigh out and you realize like, do I really want all this detriment? And it, it takes time because when you're in New York, you start to learn more people. You start to make more connections, which does mean uh-huh. that you book more jobs. It really does. Sometimes I book jobs literally from a phone call, which that is crazy. The amount of time or I a Facebook up message. As- How many like real gigs that I get from Facebook or something? Yeah. Because like a friend of a friend of a friend says, oh my God, you would be perfect for this. Or do you know anyone that is a great tapper for, you know, or something? It it is really interesting. So the connections are there, but this, this striving to fit into a mold. So now let's relate that to the world. As in you're saying like, I think I'll always do that. So my big thing that I'm recognizing is, is like, you don't need to fit into a mold, nor do I with the world nor does anyone else who's who's listening to this episode right now that's like oh my god yes like why am i trying to fit into this box everyone's box is different no matter what the occupation is like we're all different that's the reason why sometimes it's a puzzle piece to put together a show it doesn't mean you're not as talented it really is and quite frankly like i'm always torn i have this inner hypocrite in me that like sort of has the ability to play devil's advocate with itself. Yeah. And I'm like, well, what do you expect? It's like, there's millions of people out there. Everybody sort of wants their 15 minutes. Like give the gift to a casting director that doesn't really have the time or the energy to spend too long. Like give them the gift of being a type, right? right. Get in the door and work that way. You know, let's be honest. Not Nobody wants to be one thing for the rest of their life. Nobody likes being felt like they're putting in a, getting put in a box, but like, mm-hmm. You know what? If that box is working for you, then ride that box until someday you have enough pull or clout or um, funds to be able to do your own thing. So, unfortunately, we were very visually oriented. I think as a species, yeah. but especially in the industry, um, it's a very visual industry. And so, if you can't see it right in front of you, then it's and especially nowadays, you know, a swipe right, swipe left sort of mentality. If you can't figure it out, if a cast manager can't figure it out in 30 seconds or a minute, like it's done. Bye. I, I don't have the time. I gotta move on. Our attention spans. Like, I mean, like, 
on TikTok, on Instagram, on like, um, it's just such a swipe thing. It's like, if you, if it's not, it doesn't grab you right away, it's gone. So I think that we, there, we can do ourselves a lot of favors by branding, um, you know, like, you know, creating a podcast. I think this is wonderful for you. It's a great space for you. You look awesome doing it. You sound awesome doing it. I think that you have something to say and it's getting your point of view across. And I feel like through that, we know more about Stasi and like what her brand and her idea is all about. I think it's really epic and great. I think that we also sort of judge ourselves along the way and don't allow ourselves to really expose and be vulnerable in that way. I have considered myself in a sense, like a consumer in many ways, like a psych psychological consumer. Like imagine me learning all these things uh, on the internet or something, or I'm inspired by you. And I pick that it's like in a way cosmically selfish for me to hold on to everything and to just sort of keep it within myself. Isn't the whole point of life on a larger scale about like me picking up something from you, it comes through me spins through me and then comes through my filter and then someone else is going to attach onto that in a completely different way and that's how the ball keeps rolling so in a way i feel a little selfish that like i am not wildly active on social media or i'm not using my gifts to do something like a podcast or like a youtube series or creating content for other people to express my point of view i think that honestly maybe this is my cancer moon coming out yeah. I, maybe i'm too sensitive maybe i can't handle the backlash what would happen if like i had a, a little bit of following and someone like called me stupid or something it's like i don't know could yeah. my ego handle that and that's a whole other conversation yeah right? and you're talking about meisner technique too i was like are you meisner techniqueing right now it's with totally yeah it's very that yeah which is like an exit acting technique of like really bouncing off between the two yes. partners or the group of people so that's it's really funny you say that because it, it makes so much sense whether you're an actor or not but at the same point could my ego handle it? And the biggest thing that I've worked on with like my personal coach is that I let my ego get in the way of my success all the time. And I am not crazy active on social media. I'll scroll a little bit, but I love how I always hear like these influencers say that they're like, you got to find a balance and get, I'm like, you're addicted to it because the way that the algorithm works, unless you were really popular before, the way the algorithm works is you have to be addicted to it for them to produce your content to people that aren't following To push you. it forward. So yeah. like I'm extremely active with the people who follow me. And the biggest thing that I've also learned from people that have been successful are continue to talk to the people that care, that are the people that listen to your show every week, the people that are engaged in your content all the time, care about them, care about those 10 people. Don't care mm -hmm. about the 100,000 people that aren't listening to you because if you neglect them, you're going to constantly never move forward. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm only paying attention to people because they're listening to my show. That's not what I'm saying, but like, Whenever I allow myself to think like, oh, well, it's only 100 people listening to this episode. That's such a negative thing to think because there's 100. That's awesome. Like that's there's 100 awesome. people listening say, to like, this episode. Like that's great. Like don't let it go. And I, I think whatever it is that you're doing or you're accomplishing, if it's not a podcast, like these kids are listening to Ryan, you have their attention span every single time that you're teaching them. What you say matters. What you say is going in them, that Meisner technique, and it is bouncing out to some point in their life, whether it's to some other student in that class or in your musical or whatever. So like teaching those kids, you have to have seen, and, and you know, they have no filter yet. And right. they're going through puberty and we know all those things. Like it's, it's rough freaking time. All these Netflix films with like mm -hmm. these kids mm -hmm. and I watch them and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so emotional. It's like, I watch all these shows cause it's, it's sad. Like all those Netflix films. I'm like, it is a lot to start to figure out who the fuck you are in this world. Yeah. And I think it's even harder. I, th I, you know, my heart goes out to kids these days and just growing up, like it's so much faster, right? Like we're really, you, you and I, you're probably a little bit younger than me by a few years we were really the last generation that like played outside that like didn't have tv or internet to distract us or and i think it's a double-edged sword let's be honest like i'm not going to say that my the way i grew up was better because no, quite frankly like the internet is out there it's all knowledge and i think that's incredible that if that's available at your fingertips anything that you want to know so i think the human brain is just like on that super trajectory upward and we're just going to see that improve um or change generation by generation 
Yeah, yeah. And again, to kind of circle back to things are changing, things are evolving, but we're not one thing particular. So I had just recently, I had been into Enneagrams a little bit and I had looked into Enneagrams and I asked you to like check one out. And it was really funny for me to get yours back because we're both the achiever and the achiever's great. Everybody wants, it's a, it's a number three if you're into Enneagrams, but the achiever's great because the, you always want them on your team because they will work really hard. They're really passionate about what they're doing. But where, where things get sticky for us is we need that validation. We need the gold star. So when you just said what you were saying earlier, it's like, I'm just ner- like, will I be able to handle, mm-hmm. you know, like if someone's like, trolls me on Instagram or whatever platform you're on. Yeah, it, it, it is. And so like that gold star, I don't know if you can speak to that at all. Like if I explain, explained it that way, but sometimes having that is drives me to keep going in these different avenues. You know, just reading like this little blurb on, about threes is like one sentence. Want to be successful and admired by other people are very conscious of their public image. Well, that all immediately sounds like, ooh, ooh, ooh I don't want to be that, right? And then I like go back and I start to examine that within myself. And I'm like, what's that about Ryan? Why, why do you care? Because quite frankly, there's a part of my personality that's like, I don't care if you like me or not. Like, that's not going to change. I am very like, you know, it's my, my reality, my perception. So, you know, cut, you're gone out of it. Um, But then I think it, the, the rest of it sort of relates back to, I have always as a, since a child had this want and drive to like, be good, do good, please others. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do like the pats on the head, right? I'm, I'm not gonna lie, like it feels good. Everybody loves validation. You know, maybe in a past life, I was like a lap dog and just need a little more than others or something. I think it comes from a place that is ultimately in service of others. And that's why I started to see it as um, a positive and not like, okay, it's not necessarily about me and just needing applause and validation. It's really about that I need the confirmation that we're simpatico together that I feel like I'm doing something with this life that I'm given, right? Our life is so fleeting, it's so short to some extent. And so I wanna know that your life is better because you met me at this this tree, this garden, this house, whatever I do, I, I wanna spread, you know, improvement and love and gratitude and want the vibration of this universe, this planet to be a little infinitesimally better because Because I was in it right and that's that's my my stamp yes and that's probably why you're enjoying teaching right now because you're seeing when they have Mm -hmm. the aha moment or when they do better you watch them grow like that's the gold star too there yeah yeah but but I was saying but again you're not just that and you're also this combination of the two same things that I am the highest combination of which is the enthusiast which is a seven, right? And the uh, challenger, which is an eight. The things about 100%. those two things are put me on a treadmill next to someone at Barry's boot camp and they're on a 7.0. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run a 7.2. Ooh. Oh, we're gonna move up oh, to 7.5. I'm gonna move to 7.7. Like, but that also makes me a better person in the end because when someone yeah. challenges me, I wanna be better. So like I'm sure I hundred percent. Yeah. I don't consider myself to be a very competitive person. So it's not like I'm looking at that guy next to me and it's like, oh, I can do better than him. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of that is like um the class average, right? And if right. that's the standard, it's like I push myself to reach that and maybe exceed it as well because Mm -hmm. once again it goes back to me wanting to do good be good I know that I've been given the gift of this life right here and I want to push that and make sure that I'm getting as much out of life as I can right yes and if that guy can do it so can I right right and I really like to say this because it's always a balance right so like where that can run into trouble as well is that we can get to a point where if we're not challenged, like in the middle of a pandemic, we're like, uh, someone give Mm -hmm. me something to do. And that was the whole reason, again, like I'm constantly bringing it back to this, but why I started this podcast. I was like, what's stimulating you guys? Cause like, I don't know what the fuck to do right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we're all in this together. Like we're all in this moment. You're like, anyone else going crazy? Hi, let's talk. (laughs) My my fiance is an introvert, everyone help. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like I was 
but it is so I I looked around so like that's somewhere where it was hard for me is like I needed to feel challenged and within my partner who like we challenge each other on a daily like he was like the world's crumbling like everything's shit I'm not stimulated to like be sexual right now or like any you know anything like he was just in this moment of of a very different version of himself but I think you see that you see that in partnerships and relationships and one thing that I have to attest to to our partnership is over the course of these five years that we've been together pre-marriage we've gone through a lot of things that most people have gone through during marriage and it's like dark times happy times sad times messed up times times of self-doubt of the relationship we have we had some like relationship challenges any of these weird things and I think it's interesting because like you have to go through the journey so life is but a challenge at all times and if you can take the time to notice it like there are constant challenges that are thrown your way it's just how how we decide to react to them and nothing is easy nothing is easy like what who told you that you were going to show up on this planet and things were going to just be easy for you and wouldn't that be so boring Uh, wouldn't it be so boring right I mean like no wonder Eve bit an apple right if we look at that folklore no wonder she's like well everything's perfect and dandy here now what right right it's so this fruit what is this fruit like I haven't tasted this yet and that's the enthusiast that's where you like and I'm not too it's like I get so bored easily like it's sometimes it's great that I don't agree with things with my partner because I think if we did agree on everything I'd be bored Mm-hmm. bored ass like f- always I would be like oh my god like nothing stimulating it's just like we all like the same things and it it gets like a drug then right it's like oh we all love to be a little tipsy on our red wine or whatever or like you know in the afternoon on a summer day but if you did that all the time it would never feel like vacation it's totally like moments in the wood that song from like into the woods right mm-hmm. what's it, the lyric it's this constant right or wrong, but it's like she goes through that whole monologue. The song's a whole monologue, so she understands that it's time to leave the woods and go back to what she right. does have because right. these moments, they're just all these fun little moments in life make you realize why it's so important to leave and go back to the stability of whatever you do have and be grateful for the things you do have. Yeah. Love the baker's um, life. Very well said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't have cake every day, right? You can't have cake for every meal. No, you'd feel like you'd shit hate all the time. cake. Yeah, and you would hate it. You would exactly. hate cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's got to be what we talk about all the time is like this balance. So for you, Ryan, like if I were to ask you, what does self care mean to you? I always love asking that question. It, it, has it evolved? Has it changed over the years? Like if someone said to you, like, what's self care? How would you respond to that? self-care is loving yourself first i've heard you say it before on your podcast um it is putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you help others because and let's take it in a more personality or energetic sense right if i'm toxic in some way then i'm just going to be like subconsciously infecting other people i'm not necessarily knowing it but like if i make my temple um clean and tidy now i'm available to help you clean your house, right? Yes. Um, and we can do that for each other, right? We can hold space for each other. I love listening to people and, and their issues. Like, uh, I love when friends come to me and they feel that I am someone that uh, they're comfortable enough with that they can talk to me about anything. Same with my students. I tell them that I'm an open door. They can come to me about anything, whether it is related to our class or not. So self-care for me personally, uh, sleep. Sleep first. I think that we download a lot of information in our sleep. You know, I'm not a sleep scientist or anything, but I think that there's some sort of special connection with sleep that we don't necessarily perceive or understand totally right now. And I think that sleep is really necessary to organize information in your brain. It's really good for your body, really good for recovery. And I think that drinking, I drink a ton of water. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound so basic because it's Does like it everything matter? that we've People always heard. No one said this yet. So it's next, I'm going to say, uh, diet when I eat well and when I exercise, I f- literally feel better. I feel like I can do things. When I start skipping the gym and I start eating fast food again, it's no wonder that my mood or my feelings about myself start to take a downward turn. And then I try to keep a sort of balanced perspective. I invite relationships that challenge me, you know, friends 
have a uh, open door sort of ability to call me out on any of my behavior. So I'm always really willing to look in the mirror and be like, ah, Ryan, you've effed that up. And like, um, you need to apologize or you were out of line here. Or So I think that having some mental and emotional sort of tidiness as well um, really goes a long way in self-care. And thus, if I can offer you any advice as, as a general you, it's really just because I am a mirror for you and I see something within you that I identify with. I can't really give you advice that I don't have experience directly with. So, you know, when I'm saying something to a peer or a friend or a student, uh, it's because I am currently saying it to myself or I've already said it to myself and I know this journey and this path. Absolutely. I say that too. And I sometimes will listen back onto an episode as I'm editing it and I'm like, oh my God, take your own advice, girl. Yeah, I take know, your own right? advice, girl. Oh my gosh, you know it's, it's that it's... like old parent thing, like do as I say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And yeah. and one thing I want to commend you on too, and I know I've said this to you in the past, but the U.S. Open is like a very busy, stressful, non-sleep oriented time for two weeks, and doesn't sound like a lot, but two weeks is a long, long long time if you're only sleeping for like five to six hours a night which some people are oh, like, if you're oh, lucky yeah it's a lot <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot of giving 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 and not taking time for yourself and one thing that I have to admit that is self-care for me during the U.S. Open would be leaving where I was like I have to leave I do this all the time at work too I'll go into the back office even at Lululemon I open my laptop, I turn on like this like meditation music or jazz in the background. Mm. I dim the lights wherever we are because those fluorescent lights in the back are like awful. So I'll flip around the switches and I'm like, listen, this is my half hour. Like everyone always walks in and they're like, oh my God. And I'm like, I cannot believe that you go back here for a half hour with these like insane lights and just like scroll for what feels like five minutes. I was like, I need to like, I need a break. So my point is, is I would leave the space that I was in. And I would always, t- it was so funny, like I would tend to like come up to a friend and like I would chat with them and sit on the couch maybe in between sessions as someone was going out. But every time I would see you, I kid you not, I have never felt anyone feel so engaged in, in a conversation in such a hectic oh. moment in time. Like you would always come out and you would be like, no, how are you? Like what's going on in life? And they're like, you were like, oh my God, that's aw-. whatever it was. And it would, it felt like we talked for 10 minutes or the reality was we talked for 10 minutes, but it almost felt like I had a full hour of like detox because mm-hmm. you genuinely cared. You genuinely listened and reflected and had something to say in that moment. Like you said, it's so nice that people feel like they can knock on your door, but truly like feel like I feel like I curl up in this little like safety net basket and you're just like, let me, like uh, in a conversation with you. I've always felt like that. And that's like such a beautiful gift to have. That is a um, really high compliment. You couldn't say nicer words to me, honestly, because as I said, that's what I feel like I want to do. I want people to have a safe space and I want people to unabashedly be themselves. I, th- I think it's unnecessary to have like all any layers or facades or walls up. Like you come to me as you are mm-hmm. uh, and you're not going to ever offend me, you know? Right. I love, I love to hear that. I'm glad that you did. You know, this is partly conscious and partly um, something that has just always been a part of me. I have very good selective attention. So like I cannot hear something or hear something or hyper-focus and it has been a pro and a con in my life. Um, But usually when I'm talking to someone, I am really trying to like see the color of their soul, see, listen to the breath that comes out of them, listen to how they're saying things, watching their eyelid or their eyebrow or like, and you know, that is very Meisner as well, which I didn't realize was something that I tried to do before I studied Meisner technique. But all you have to do, all you have to do is put your attention on whatever you're doing and the rest will follow. I don't need to worry about my response or my uh, reaction it's gonna happen it's gonna happen instinctively um all i have to do is place my attention on you and pick off on your energy and we just toss that volleyball back and forth yeah, yeah i think that's such a beautiful thing to have said for anyone out there to have a conversation with anyone it really is like um a lot of us are constantly like oh that one thing and then it's 
like you just monologued earlier, right? Which I do as well. And when you monologue, you're like, uh, did I even answer the question you were asking? But the interesting thing is, is like, we all go on that journey with you, right? And instead of actually thinking about like, how are we going to respond to, oh, what you just said? And Mm -hmm. it's okay. Like when you're finally finished speaking, we're still going to have a response. If it was, if the other responses were super important, we'll get back to them. Mm-mm. But like allowing right. you to have the mic when you want to have it is just as important. And I have learned a lot more the art and the skill of listening when it came to my partner because I was so used to doing everything on my own. Um, I was such a rock for a majority of my friends. I had a point in my life where a boss of mine said, like, who do you go to? Like everyone comes to you, but who do you go to? Mm-hmm. And I was like 20 20 I wasn't even 21 yet I was 20 at the time and I like he was like go into your car today roll your windows up and just scream and I was like it was so weird and this was all before I had really broken down into like my acting techniques because I learned them at 22 to 24 but being able to say that scream no but screaming in your car but like being able to say that like I Doug will look at me all the time and he's like oh like I just sometimes look at you and I'm like what's going on up in that brain of yours sometimes lollipops <laughs> and rainbows at all times but it's not like and I was trying to say that a lot on my podcast and I was like no seriously like this is where I'm at I did this like really ugly freaking cry a couple a few episodes ago I think I heard that one Instagram. it wasn't an ugly cry it was beautiful I loved it but like I wanted the to one let we were people talking about know talking about that. dog choking yeah and like being upset about like things being out of my control and I was like dude this freaking sucks like I was like I'm not just single like I'm not um I'm I'm literally engaged and my partner's still not fucking here and and I was like it and there are a lot of days that I fill my plate up with so many things to do so then that way I don't have to sit by myself and then there are other days where I like don't do anything and then feel so freaking guilty about it but it's because like that's just where I'm at so I was trying to say like it's okay to show where you're at I think there's this whole like Instagram versus reality joke that went around but now we're actually like during the pandemic one thing that I've seen consistently is like people are more authentically themselves online than they ever have been before yeah and I think partly because they've had no choice Right, And I think the more people that do that, the more it sort of clues everyone else in on, hey, this is okay. I can show myself, right? I don't need to hide my light under the bushel. Um, And I love that episode um, where I heard you get so emotional because I don't know. I think people are so petrified to express themselves and ultimately like just get it out. And honestly, you made that, that spun you, that experience spun you into a whole sort of concept and thought about control and about like what that means to you. So like, and then you shared something, you created something out of that experience that you then gave to others that then planted seeds in me and I had that experience. So like, I mean, it's really cool. So like, I'm glad cry that more, please. please. Cry all the time. Cry more. <laughs> I think everybody should cry. I think it's I really do, healthy. Right. Like, so let's talk that. That would be my one final thing. If you could, I feel like if you could go back at a certain point in your life that you feel like you could really have given yourself advice of like who you are today and now with the experiences you have. And I don't know if this will come up super easy or if you don't have a moment in time that you could think of, but like, what do you think you would say to yourself? Maybe fresh out of high school or, you know, making that decision between (laughs) going into the medical field or like into theater or, maybe a moment in time pre-pandemic like after a breakup or something anything okay so I think that a running theme in my life that perhaps I'm still unpacking to be honest in some ways but definitely as I was um, younger it was definitely more paralyzing I think I was worried too much about maybe what others thought or Mm -hmm. not being good enough or uh, I used to be crippled by failure I think that performing has really sort of unfolded that. And I think that performing has really taught me to just sort of jump into the deep end and trust my instincts to figure it out. Yeah. So I always try to lead. I think that's great. And I hope that anybody can sort of jump into performing arts or express it, expressive arts of any kind, really, um, mm-hmm. to train yourself that you don't have to have it all consciously figure it out. And um, I think I was always an overthinker a little bit. I think I still am. There is one, as you were telling, asking me that question, there was one incident that popped right into my head. So I'll talk about that. It was my 
sophomore junior year of high school and it, we were doing like writing auditions for like this fancy English class called Aegis I don't know if you had Aegis in your system no. I don't really don't know what exactly it was it was like higher than AP and here I was my motivations were like well I want to be the best I want to do the best I want to you know so I was like what it's the best I'm in so we had to meet after school in the library and our assignment was very, very, very simple. It was literally like write a two, three page response about a book you read okay. that you liked and identified with. And I remember feeling, I was always like a good student, but like um, never really just like the most amazing, smartest, brightest, you know. So I was really insecure about, and I had a lot of really smart friends as well. So I always felt like a bit of, I always felt like a bit of a dummy. I still think I am a bit of a dummy and I joke all the time that I'm an idiot, but you know, I think there are also different ways to measure intelligence. Anyway. Oh gosh, I get off on tangents. I'm going to keep going. (laughs) Um, We had to write this book and I remember not being able to think of a book that I really liked and I was like oh damn I don't read like um and any books that I was reading was all stuff that was assigned like to you know I don't know did we read Catcher in the Rye or something Mm -hmm. and even still I was like such a fan of like spark notes and cliff notes I don't know lazy or busy I don't know maybe I was just efficient maybe I just wasn't interested in that one (laughs) right Anyway, I did read this book called The Tao of Pooh, and it was like a sort of uh, used Winnie the Pooh as an allegory for um, Eastern Eastern practices and thoughts. And um, I would like to return to that book as an adult, especially considering the journey that I've taken myself on, because at you know 16, when I originally read it, I think it sort of planted some seeds, but I didn't really fully digest. And I was going to write on that, but I didn't feel confident that I could. And I remember right at the last minute before the started I got up and I left oh wow and I didn't do the audition and all of my friends got into this class and I didn't and I would go back to my here we go we're coming back to the point coming back um I would say to myself get your ass into that library write down anything you're gonna be fine I would think I was worried then and I think that that carried into a lot of future experiences or maybe past experiences before that try Try, try, try. Don't tell yourself, exercise the word can't out of your vocabulary. Like, Mm. try. I bet you anything, had I written that, I could have gotten in. And if I didn't, then so what? And that's something that I wish that I could have taught myself at a younger age. Ryan, don't worry about what other people think. Do what makes you happy. Do do you even want to be in this English class? Let's examine that, right? Were you just doing this because you think that that's what you should be doing? Should is also a terrible word. Don't mm-hmm. shit on yourself. I always tell myself that. Don't shit on yourself. I love Don't that. shit on yourself. I should do this. I should be this. I should be blah, 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 blah. We say that to ourselves all the time. And I think it's sort of like secretly negative messaging. Uh-huh. Right? I think that just merely rewording it. Yeah. I definitely think that anyone can relate to that because there's any time I had a roommate if I had one of those days where I was being lazy or whatever it was, which is okay. It's okay, friends. And I have to remind myself that too. When people would walk in the door, I was like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be being productive. And I would like immediately hop out of bed and make it look like I was doing something. And I was like, A, because I wanted to make sure they thought that I wasn't lazy. And, right. But, but like B, they didn't freaking care or notice. Or maybe they did and who cares? And C... <laughs> I was shooting on myself. <laughs> yeah, all of those things. Um, I don't know who originally told me don't shit on yourself, um, but it always kind of stuck with me and it seemed lighthearted and a good reminder all at the same time. Yes. Well, if anyone else can find some of those fun gems of Ryan Steer, where are all the fun places we can find you on online, on social media, or any place you want to direct anyone listening uh, yeah. to this episode? I got to be honest, I am pretty spotty all over social media. I am on um, Instagram and Facebook. I I don't ever, I almost never check my Facebook. Um, But I do love Instagram. I don't post anything. Although, um, you know, one of these days I imagine I'll, I don't know, evolve into my internet cessation. It's an uh, internet sensation Pokemon, like final evolved Pokemon version. So maybe by then I'll have like a TV series or something like that. I'm sure you will. Um, I can see that. Let's write something together. 
Or a book. Yeah, let's write something yeah. together, please. I'm always down for creative outlets. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things out there, right? Like uh, my my dad had brought up this up to me the other week, and, and I don't think it was supposed to be discouraging. I just think it's very far fetched, like what this podcast is and means to him. And what I've noticed is he was like, like how long, he said, so when's your end cap with this? Like how long are you going to keep trying to do this until if it's not successful, like you'll stop. And when the weird thing is, is like, I'm having these amazing conversations with my friends. People are listening. And, I, and my answer to him was the minute that people stop responding to the episodes and yep. they respond to every episode every week twice a week for the ones that I'm doing right now. And I was like, I will probably, and I have said this before, I'm going to be taking it down to one a week because unfortunately, because it's not my main source of income, it's a lot of work for each episode, whether it's a solo or with other people. But I think we allow, especially, you know, the parents mentality and constantly pleasing them, which I've just recently talked about too, that do it because you want to. Um, I do this because I have a lot of my friends stories that I think need to be heard. I think I have amazing conversations with really fabulous people about things about self-care. I think self-care is this topic that's kind of very wishy-washy and that's a great, beautiful thing about it too. Like it's different for everyone and I want to bring on different people with different ideas of it or Mm -hmm. similar ideas of it. So I will be doing this podcast as long as people are always responding. So if you do love this podcast, please always reach out, be subscribing to the station or the channel and um, And find Ryan. Find Ryan too. Ryan M. Steer, Amazon Michael. Ryan M. Steer is my handle on Instagram. Probably the easiest way to find me. Um, But yes, definitely go and give a like, a five-star review and a subscribe to uh, Anastasia because it's so easy. I've, I listen to a lot of drag, drag queen podcasts and it's like, why do I continually consume this? And yet I have not subscribed officially. Like, Sure. Subscribe. Throw the like. phone out there, right? Mm-hmm. What does it require for me? It took me like literally less than five seconds and it means everything, right? So Yes, definitely helps out. But I had so much fun chatting with you today. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, me too. Me. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. Um, this is great. I'd love to do it anytime. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the luxury of self-care. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to this channel on Apple Podcast or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on. If you are on Apple Podcast and have a brief moment to leave me a five-star rating and a review, it truly helps me grow the show organically. I love hearing from you. In addition, you can find me and all updates on the show on Instagram at rumor underscore in underscore St. Petersburg. Yep, just like the Universal film Anastasia or like the Facebook page entitled The Luxury of Self-Care. If you would like to support this show, do not hesitate to reach out. Your small donation really helps me keep up the sustainability of each episode and all the marketing that goes into this show. Lastly, I just wanted to thank you so much for all of your love and all of your support. And as always, for tuning in.